Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights and topical debate. Welcome to the May 2021 episode of the Into Security podcast. I'm Eleanor Dalloway, Editorial Director of Info Security Magazine. And I'm James Coker, reporter at Info Security Magazine. So this week's Into Security podcast is sponsored by .inc Domains, the domain ending that means business. Join innovative startup as well as top international businesses from around the world and secure your brand's .inc domain today at get.inc slash info security. So a great big thank you from James and I to .inc Domains. Uh, so today's podcast is a, is a very special one. We're going to have a deep dive into the recent EC Council gender survey scandal from a few weeks ago. And as you're probably all aware, Elena wrote a very extensive expose on, on the situation. And in today's episode, she's interviewing two of the most important players in the story. To begin with, Elena, for anyone who isn't aware of, of what exactly played out a few weeks ago, can, can you share exactly what happened? Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, it's it would be hard to avoid, I think. Um, but on the 9th of April, EC Council pushed out a women in security survey poll on LinkedIn with three abhorrently sexist answer options. Ironically, um, the survey was actually promoting an upcoming women in security webinar that they were running. Uh, the question was, what, according to you, are the most common challenges faced by women in the cybersecurity domain? And the multiple choice answers were A, only men can do the job, B, women can't handle the job, and C, women aren't encouraged more. I don't know. Um uh, if you think that's bad enough, um, then you should probably grab onto your seat because what happened next will make your head explode. So when women responded to the post with understandable criticism and outrage, the EC Council team blocked them. That's right, they didn't just ignore the tweets, but they actually blocked them. Men too were responding um, and denouncing the poll, but they subsequently weren't blocked. So after the utter outrage and condemnation from what felt like the entire industry, my Twitter feed was completely dominated by it. EC did unblock the women and their CEO, Jay Bavisi, issued a personal apology um, sometime later. All of the details, and there are a lot of them, um, and the industry commentary on the situation can be found in my blog post um, on infosecurity-magazine.com. And you can search the title, The Story of the EC Council Gender Survey Scandal, or just search um, for Eleanor Zalloway blog. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was really, uh, really good um, story, Eleanor. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to have written all that up. Could, could you kind of give us your take on, on the whole debacle, Eleanor? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I've been so consumed, I think, with reporting the narrative um, and the facts and uh, the industry response. I've not had much of an opportunity myself to give a take on it. Ultimately, I think it was a pretty catastrophic mistake by EC Council. Um, the question itself and arguably the response even more so, um, left a really nasty taste in everyone's mouth. And the C- CEO's apology um, was flawed absolutely but I do believe that as everything has unraveled since that fateful day he is trying his best to rectify. The EC Council as an organisation has had more than its fair share of controversy over the years and I can't help but ponder whether this may just be the straw that broke the camel's back 
Do I personally think the UC Council has cultural challenges? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do I think that they've accepted that? Oh, I think the jury's still out. You're going to hear from Jay Bavisi, their CEO, on this podcast shortly. So I'll let our listeners make up their own minds. What I will say is that the discussion around processes and a process being bypassed leading to the publication of that question, to me, is rather redundant. I think if the culture of the organisation was more aligned with diverse thinking at its core, um, a process would never have been required. But um, when I was writing the expose that weekend that the story broke, I obviously reached out to Jay and the EC Council for an interview um, and for their take on the story. I received a note from the lady who heads up their digital marketing, who took complete responsibility for the survey question. And she said the, the literal words to me, and I mean literally, literally, um, it can't be sexist because it was written by women. Um, and I have I had my head in my hands. And I think at that point, the story took a, an even darker twist for me. Anyway, um, I invited both Jay Bavisi and Alyssa Miller to talk to me about what happened on this podcast. And I'm pleased to say that they both accepted. Um, so... First, let's hear from the wonderful Alyssa Miller, who played an integral part in raising awareness of the event when it happens and used her industry gravitas and reputation and her extremely large Twitter following to hold EC Council accountable. Whilst Alyssa Miller wasn't the first to spot or publicise the EC Council poll question, it was her attention to the matter that seemingly tipped it over the edge and sent the debacle, uh, for want of a better word, a little bit viral. Um, So Alyssa, thanks so much for chatting to me today. Sure, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no problem. So take us back to that fateful day. I love how dramatic that sounds, by the way. Um, How did you first hear about the EC poll question, and what was your initial reaction when you did see it? So I originally was alerted to it by a friend and colleague who had tweeted it out. And as far as I know, I think she was the first one to really bring it from LinkedIn over to Twitter. So I had literally just woken up in the morning and was catching up on my alerts from overnight and saw it. And, you know, I I mean, right away, just seeing the screenshot of this poll that they had asked. The, the questions were just, I mean, it was mind-numbing how just out of place the whole thing was and how out of touch it was clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're reading through the questions, the way I read it, and I've, I've talked to different people who read it differently, but the way I saw it was that they had structured the answers to this poll of you know, what, what obstacles do women face in cybersecurity they had two very obviously bad answers, right? I mean, they were just awful. And then there were, so they seemed to try to steer you to this third that was like the, if you will, right answer. But even that answer was just so bad and problematic and reflected just all the wrong thinking that I think women who are struggling to really establish our place in this industry, it it was all the bad takes, all the bad narratives that we continue to fight against. And so, yeah, it it really caught me in in a place where I I don't want to say it angered me, but it was frustrating because every time I see something like that, I know the damage that that does to our community in general. And I'm very passionate and protective 
of the InfoSec community. And really, when I see things like that that are damaging to it and that are harming our ability to get better as an industry overall, I react pretty strongly to that. So at that point, you know, I t I took my own screenshot of it because I didn't want to borrow from somebody else in case, uh, you know, she didn't want to be connected with it. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted it out and I, I called out EC Council and actually tagged them in it so that they would see it because I really wanted to get some action from them. So just to look back at the, um, the poll question here that we're talking about, for anyone that has managed to avoid this, if that has been at all possible over the last couple of weeks, um, the wording of the question was, what, according to you, are the most common challenges faced by women in the cybersecurity domain? And the three problematic answers given, um, one, only men can do the job, two, women can't handle the job, and three, women aren't encouraged enough. And it, it genuinely, I feel odd even saying that out loud. Um, Trend Micro's Rick Ferguson uh, translated those answers into the, the, <laughs> the following three things. One, women are physically incapable. Two, women are mentally incapable. And three, women can only function if they're encouraged. Uh, Alyssa, would you, would you agree with his um, translation of those answers? Yes, absolutely. And that's why it's problematic. It, it's, I mean, the first two are obviously bad, right? To suggest that women are somehow physically or mentally incapable, um, you know, considering the number of high level women who are doing amazing things in this industry, obviously those two generalizations are awful, awful takes. But the third one is the one that people kind of miss. And it's this idea that women somehow need special attention or special encouragement or a hand up from the men in this industry to get better. And the, the reality is, no, we just need you to stop the, the active discrimination, the active toxic behaviors and get rid of the inequalities that exist here, which are the things that do prevent women from joining this industry or drive them out once they're here. And that's, we, we see it in studies, we see it in anecdotal stories from women across the space. That's the thing that really needs to be addressed. And so, yeah, even that third answer is just so awful. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it's almost written to drive people into what they perceive to be the right answer was just three. And it's so insanely condescending. Um, the mind really does boggle. But a lot of the feedback to the article that I wrote was people saying that the way that EC reacted to the uproar was, in fact, more disappointing and perhaps more damaging than the fact that it actually happened in the first place. So what's your take on that? I, I'm one of the persons who said that. Like, I totally can't believe the way they responded. Um, I mean, it actually still dumbfounds me that this was their approach. So, you know, I tweeted this out and a couple... Yeah, it didn't take long uh, for a lot of people to retweet it. And also a few others who even saw the original tweet from my friend and colleague uh, who also you know, retweeted it out. It didn't take long to catch EC Council's attention. Once they started to see it blowing up on Twitter, their response was to block all of us who were calling them out for it. And then they sort of quietly deleted the the original poll on LinkedIn never acknowledged any of us, never said a word, didn't do anything to acknowledge that they had made a mistake or whatnot. Instead, they did everything they could right away to silence us 
as you know, the women calling them out on this and to then subsequently hide what they had done, which I mean, the screenshots were all over the place. We had the receipts like you're not going to hide this. And so it was the whole thing became just a, a, a master class in how not to respond to a crisis communications situation. Because then after they blocked us and they did all this, well, of course, then, you know, I and others spoke out on the fact that we'd been blocked for daring to call them out for their bad behavior. And then hours and hours later, finally, they unblocked me and they issued what they said was an official apology. The only problem is they only apologized to me. And I say that because while they wrote up this official apology, the only place you could find it was in a direct response to my original tweet of their poll. So, you know, it's buried in a thread. Most people are never going to see that. Right. Because even if you see the tweet, you're probably not reading through all the comments in the thread to find that, oh, hey, look, EC Council apologized. No, instead, you would expect an organization put that very prominently at the top of their page, maybe pin it as a tweet. Um, you know, maybe tweet it out, you know, big and bold to the world, put it on their LinkedIn page, maybe even on their website. They did none of that. And then it wasn't until 24 hours after they had posted the original poll that their CEO finally came out and said something, right? Mm -hmm. Like he finally, he put an apology out there. And even that apology was really disappointing in that it, it came, and I think you mentioned this in your article on the topic, it had very much that same blame the intern approach that SolarWinds used after their breach, where instead of acknowledging in any way that there was something maybe cultural or systemic in their organization that led to this, it was, we're going to treat it as a singular mistake that one person made that had they not made this mistake, there wouldn't be a problem. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, yeah, that's not so true. So when you see all of that and the, you know, bad upon bad upon bad decision, all of that reflects exactly the problem that this is something more cultural and systemic in their organization. It's not something you can say, well, this person did a bad thing and didn't follow process. And that's why we have a problem. Absolutely. And like you say, it's an absolute demonstration of what not to do in crisis uh, management, which is kind of ironic because crisis management is such an important skill in both security as an industry. So just bad practice, like you say. Um, But as you know, when I reached out to EC Council asking for a conversation when I was writing the expose, I was contacted by the female digital head of EC Council who wrote to me that the question couldn't have been sexist because it was written by an all-female team. Now, I know how I felt about that comment, but how do you feel about that? I think I still have the bruises on my forehead from hitting my head on the desk when I saw that. (laughs) And literally, it is the most disconnected demonstration of not understanding at all what sexism is and how it manifests. Like the idea that women can't be sexist is is such a a a fallacy. Um, You know, the the reality is sexism refers to these ideologies and belief systems 
that lead to discriminatory and misogynistic behaviors. So you can have women, we see it every day here in the United States, we've seen it in our political discourse where you have women who actively, for whatever reason, and I'm not going to dive deep into all that discussion, but who actually will not only you know adopt, but defend sexist and misogynistic behaviors because it, it, for whatever reason, it's what they're used to, whatever, but because they've been so immersed in that environment. So when I saw that from her, um, you know, whether that was their, like their director of communications or VP of communications, whatever, um, what really bothered me about it was that I actually won. I kind of felt bad for her that like mm-hmm. she's so immersed in a culture where this is how people feel about women in technology that she just she had that belief system in the first place. Like that to me was I, I almost felt sorry for. Her. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's again just that perfect indication that the problems were so much bigger than just one ill-fated poll, but rather a systemic culture in that organization where sexist attitudes and beliefs permeate throughout. And it's just accepted as okay. So yeah, that 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 take from her in your article, it, it hurt more than anything because uh, it, it just, it, it gives credence to belief systems that simply need to be stamped out of this industry. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I recall you telling me about a high schooler who tweeted about how this incident changed her view of the industry. And actually, this is something that's really stayed with me um, a week after this article I wrote. Um, It's just heartbreaking. And these are the consequences that really do cut deep. What work can you see that could be done to reverse this collateral damage? Yeah. So that, first of all, that tweet had me in tears, literally that morning when I saw it, it was, as you put it, it, it was heartbreaking to see this girl who was struggling so hard to get acceptance within her, within just her own peer group. And she was fighting that battle and trying to be fierce. And then she asked to see that here's what you have waiting for you when you get to the industry. It's just as bad as what you're experiencing Mm now. I mean, that's so damaging. Um, And so I think to undo that, you know, this is where I've pressed EC Council very heavily that anything that they do to correct their situation needs to be public. Mm -hmm. They need to be very open, transparent, and accountable to all of the efforts that they're promising they're going to make in this regard. And it has to be you know, something that they they lead from the top down with, and it has to be very deliberate. It has to have measurable milestones. So if we say, you know, so one of the things that they're doing is they're creating this, they've created this international commission within their organization who's looking at the problem and recommending solutions. So, okay, as, you know, what's, what is the timeline when you're going to have solutions? recommended solutions from them, then how are you going to set milestones for that? What is what is that plan going to look like? All of these things need to be put out in the public, and then they need to release regular updates publicly on where they're at in their progress toward those goals. 
because that is the thing that is going to show, first of all, for them as an organization, that they're credibly trying to do something to address this. But then that is also going to show for young girls and, and women who are either trying to or are in the industry that, okay, even an organization that had such a bad culture is really doing meaningful things to try to fix what's going on. And that's what we need to see. That's what needs to be demonstrated. We need to see examples of not just women standing up, not just other underrepresented groups standing up and fighting for their equity in this industry, but the people who have the power, the people who have the control, the people who have the platforms need to be very visible. And so, yes, I am talking about the men and, you know, here in the United States, it's the white men mm-hmm. who, you know, really are the predominant class who have the vast majority of the power. We need to see examples of them fighting to create a space that is truly equitable, truly diverse, and truly accepting of all of these people with differing perspectives and backgrounds, which is exactly what we need to get better as security professionals anyway. And you're referring here to a conversation that you had with Jay Bavisi, who is the CEO of the EC Council, and he invited you to talk to him um, in the wake of this scandal. Um, So firstly, can you tell us sort of a bit more about that conversation? I know you've just touched on some of the things that they say they will commit to do. But secondly, how do you feel about the fact that he selected you to be the one to have that conversation with him? So, um, So a couple of things. Let me kind of address it in reverse order. Um, thankfully, I wasn't the only one he reached out to. Um, I don't know who all he had conversations with, but I do know that he reached out to a number of the other women who are wrapped up in this, including my colleague, um, who I had mentioned previously. Um, I don't know if they ever actually had a discussion verbally. I know that they exchanged some messages, but so he did at least reach out to more than just me because honestly, that's important. Mm Um, you know, I, I kind of found myself leading the charge on this and, you know, EC council, as I said before, reacted largely to me. And as others have put out there, I think it's due in part to the fact that I have a large Twitter following. I'm a verified Twitter account. So those were things that they saw that particularly were scary to them. Right. And for whatever, whether that plays into it or not, I think my tweet probably had the most activity as well. Um, just in regard to people retweeting, commenting, so on and so on. Um, There was a lot of engagement on that tweet. So I am glad that he reached out to more than just me. Um, The conversation was promising. Um, I'll say it that way, um, simply because I'm still very skeptical. Um, EC Council has been around for 20 years. EC Council still has a board that's made up of all men and one woman. And oh, by the way, that one woman isn't actually, she's on the EC Council board, but she's actually the president of EC Council University. And by the way, she's family member of the CEO. So that begs the question, like what's going on here? So Mm -hmm. there are very clearly systemic problems within EC Council. This isn't the first time they've had bad press over sexism and misogyny from their ranks. Um, So I'm skeptical, but I'm optimistic because very first thing Jay did was he did acknowledge that the solution needed to be bigger than just this instance. It needed to be something that 
you know, was cultural and was widespread. He acknowledged the challenges that they have being an international organization with locations in multiple countries that in many of the countries where they have offices, doing an initiative like this is actually going to be kind of, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but definitely pushing the envelope for Mm -hmm. the local culture in which they're trying to affect this change. So you can think of where some of those cultures are that are still today far more sexist than maybe, you know, some of the Western cultures we're used to in Europe, the UK, the United States. Um, So the fact that he acknowledged that and was suggesting he was actually intending to be at the forefront and to kind of drive that change and to make EC Council an example of how to push that change out there, that gives me hope. The other thing I really did like is that when I suggested to him the idea that I mentioned before about being public and being accountable for all of their initiatives and changes that they're going to make in the wake of this situation, he reacted really positively to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he actually, like to the point I could hear the excitement. It wasn't just what he said. It was I could actually hear the excitement in his voice because I think he realized how that would be good for business. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, right? I mean, that, and that's how I tried to sell a lot of this to him. Yeah, I want him to do it because it's the right thing to do. But let's face it, if you want to influence a CEO to do anything, you have to show them how it's going to be better for their business. Mm-hmm. And I think I do truly believe that for their organization, if they want to undo the damage that's been done from this situation, that's one of the big things they need to do. Um, I shared with him a story of a another company here in the United States that went through something similar a number of years ago, a a company that I'm familiar with, and they were very, very focused on doing it publicly and and making themselves publicly accountable. And they're still releasing reports on it today about their progress and so forth. And I shared with him the impact that it had on, you know, their, their stock value and, you know, very business focused, uh, tangible things, uh, very practical elements that go beyond just, really trying to be known as a good organization, but you know how that drove business value for them. And so I felt, I feel encouraged by his attitude um, and by how accepting he was of the idea and, and how that actually seemed to excite him a bit. So right now I would say, you know, my, my overall temperature on it is I'm cautiously optimistic, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's, I still have skepticism in my own mind because until we see action, you know, you haven't done anything. So show me, you know, show me the actions, make, make real meaningful changes, and then I'll feel better about what they're doing. Yeah, and that, that's a, that's a really fair response, I think, and, and, and actually really good to hear. Um, you, you are taking a positive um, stance on that. I, I don't know about you, but I personally felt proud of how the majority of our industry reacted and rallied when this incident happened. Um, I actually found it quite heartwarming to read through a lot of the responses and how many people, not just women, um, but men and people around the world were calling them out. Did you did you have a similar response? Do you, um, did you read the situation in, in a similar way that I did? Yes, actually. In fact, I was pleasantly surprised um, because oftentimes when I tweet things that are, you know, equality, diversity, inclusion related, you can typically expect those trolls that are going to pop in and, Mm -hmm. you know, 
try to speak against it in some fashion or another. And I really didn't have that in this situation. There was a massive, massive groundswell of support. Now, it helps that EC Council has kind of been a uh, a bit of an enigma anyway um, in the industry. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are a number of people who already didn't have very positive feelings about EC Council. So there was a little bit of a pile on there as well. Right. But truly, people did rally behind it and demand that EC Council be accountable. And I think for a lot of them, this was a case where, okay, we've not liked you for a long time, but we haven't really had anything concrete. We have an opportunity now to push you on something, to actually get you to do something better and and to make yourselves better or, you know, or get the heck out. Because if you're not going to make yourselves better, I've had comments, I've seen public comments from at least 20 different security leaders of large organizations who've already said that they are uh, eliminating their organization's uh, reliance, whatever, on EC Council. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had at least 15 others who've reached out to me privately and said they were doing that, yeah. um, who didn't want to put it in public spaces, but acknowledged that they were, as one put it, just done with EC Council. Yeah, I've had some um, responses. Yeah, so, I mean... I don't, and I want to be clear, my goal in this is not to ruin EC Council, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, quite the opposite. There were a lot of people who said, who asked me, why are you even bothering to continue this with them? Why are you meeting with Jay Babisi? Why are you doing these things? Just, you know, forget about them. They're awful. Walk away from them. Let's just boycott them and drive them out of the, the industry. And to me, that that's not the best solution. I don't think that helps our industry any. I think what makes us better as a community is if we can take an organization like this, who I dragged hard, right? I mean, I, I, I and others, we, we put them through hell and deservedly so. But now can we use that as an agent for change? Can we use this situation where we had an organization that was demonstrably bad and in terms of their culture towards sexism and so forth? And if we can show them as making changes and being able to get better. Look at the example that sets for the rest of the community to other organizations out there who may have similar cultures. It shows them that one, we're not gonna accept this from you. So if you're one of those tech bro, Silicon Valley type startups or something who has an awful, awful culture, not saying they all do, but many of them do, we're not going to accept that from you. And look, you can get better and it will actually help you in the long run. It will be better for your organization. So, you know, my approach to it was, okay, if I'm going to drag you and just shred you on social media, well, if you come to me and say you're going to make changes and you invite me to be a part of that, well, yes, I'm going to be open to that and I'm going to hear what you have to say. And so... That's kind of the, the point I'm at. Yes, as I mentioned before, I'm still skeptical. I'm not going to, you know, jump into bragging about how great EC Council is or anything until I see them actually make some changes. Um, but I'm going to objectively share the information. After I had my conversation with Jay, I shared publicly on both Twitter and LinkedIn the experience from that conversation and where things were at because I want people to see that so far they're doing 
apparently the right things. They're saying the right things. They've taken some actions that appear to be motivated in the right direction. And now it's just, let, let's see what they do. And if they make some meaningful changes and they help make our community better, that's a win for all of us. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with you. And I have made the same commitment that I want to, yes, I have um, absolutely brought it into the public domain and spoken about all of the, the shortfalls here and I think that's gone wrong. But I'm also committed to reporting when they do make the steps in the right direction um, and making sure that that coverage is balanced and, and reflective of their drive and, and what they're doing in terms of correcting these actions and moving forward. So I completely stand by you on that. And um, I think really that's the best that we can do for our industry, um, continue to report that and be honest and open. And um, yeah, absolutely. So Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me today, um, for talking me through everything that happened. Um, also for all your comments on the weekend after the incident actually happened. Um, and also, of course, most importantly, for standing up and fighting for our industry to do better and be better. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your support as well. Um, like I said, this this community means the world to me and um, I'm very defensive of it. And I want to make sure that it, we continue to get better. It's always a pleasure to talk to Alyssa. Um, before we introduce Jay Bavisi, um, just a few words about this podcast sponsor, Dot Inc. Domains. Would you leave the front door to your house unlocked? Securing domain names that are an exact match to your brand name ensures that you are the only one with the key to this address. Dot Inc. offers premium, instantly credible domains built for businesses of all sizes. Register, protect and enhance your brand's reputation with a Dot Inc. domain name that is the exact match for your brand's name. Millions of company names end with ink. Now your domain name can too. Visit get.inc forward slash info dash security today to secure your .inc domain before somebody else does. Okay, thanks, James. So the final part of this EC Council podcast is my interview with their CEO, Jay Bavisi, the man who issued a personal and public apology in the wake of the scandal. Um, I'm really genuinely pleased that he chose to come on this podcast. Um, so let's listen to that now. Jay, thank you so much for talking to me today. I truly do appreciate it. And I respect your willingness to be visible, vocal, and most importantly, transparent in the wake of the controversy surrounding EC Council and its gender survey. So thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Eleanor, for having me on your on a podcast. And uh you know, especially giving me the opportunity to talk to you about lessons that we learned and the direction that we're taking as a company in light of what has happened. Absolutely. And we're going to focus today on the commitments and the forward steps that ECC are planning to take in response to industry outcry. But it's only pertinent to also give you the opportunity to reflect upon the incident and give your side of the story. So take me back to that moment when, you know, due to time zone, you only became aware of the incident many hours later. What were your initial feelings when you when you learned of this event? I wanted, well, you know, I, I want to start by saying that well, I, I'm sure many people know but. I was born and raised in Malaysia, I was educated in the UK uh, as an attorney, uh, you know, having IT as my main passion. And then I built my business, uh, EC Council, as, as most of you know, in the United States. So I've been quite a uh, diversified global player. Uh, but, you know, because of COVID, I've not been able to, uh, you know, be, be international. So I'm actually in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, 
Um, and uh, as it turns out, it was a Saturday morning, and uh, you know my my daughter had uh, school holidays, and I was actually away uh, with her, uh, spending two days, uh, you know, to for a for a uh, learning trip. And I wake up in the morning, and I'm seeing you know a flurry of messages, uh, in, you know, uh, internally about uh, an incident that has happened. Now, obviously, the first thing that crosses your mind is what's going on. And by this time, I think you know, I don't know, maybe maybe. You know, many hours have 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 already uh, passed. So probably I don't know, twelve to sixteen hours, or maybe even more than that. And I'm listening to my senior leadership talk about you know the incident that happened, and really what was very troubling was the fact that you know as 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 I've said this before publicly, is that our QC processes were not followed. So it's not like as a company we don't have QC processes. They're very stringent QC processes. And there's a very good reason why we have that, because we are a global organization. When I say global, I'm not just saying that we have customers across the world. I mean, everyone does. But we have offices around the world. We have people with dozens of nationalities that work for us. We have different genders, different languages, different cultures, different political beliefs. And the challenge that, you know, uh, an organization like ours face is having some sort of uniformity. Because the British English is different than the American English. The American English is different than the spoken English in, in, the, in the Far East, right? And, and we have to unify this. So because of that, we have a very stringent process that when something is written, it needs to get through a QC. So anyway, cutting a long story short, uh, you know, this, this piece of survey, which was you know, meant to uncover the challenges that, that, uh, that uh, cybersecurity professionals, that our women actually face, uh, did not go through our process, and it got published. Now, sure, I mean, people make mistakes, but what was terrible was that when a couple of professionals pointed this out, instead of saying, hey, we're really sorry, you know, we messed up, you know, some of our team members actually blocked, uh, you know, this, uh, these, these voices, which is completely unacceptable by any standard, you know. Um, so imagine arguably, arguably that, almost it, worse than the original mistake, hey? Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not even sure in which, you know, in which vocabulary can anyone even accept that, right? And this is completely contrarian to everything we stand for. Now I wake up in the morning, and I see these messages. The first thought in my mind is, God, swallow me, Mother Earth, <laughs> open up <laughs> Earth and just swallow me, because I know what's going to happen, right? We've spent decades building this organization. We've helped hundreds of thousands of professionals gain employment. We've done so much good. Here comes you know, an area that we're not proud of, right? And, and, and we know what's going to happen. It's not going to be fun. Um, right. And of course, you know, uh, hell unleashed, uh, as you know. Uh, and rightfully so. I, I think, I think uh, you know, what, what happened, whatever said and done, we need to accept responsibility but I think, Eleanor, I think the journey, and, and of course, thereafter, you know, you, you know, you and I know each other, you know, we've met before for many years. You send me that message on talking about a survey, thinking you are Reed Expo. I think that you are asking about a survey of an exposition, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that makes it even worse. You know, so, so the entire series of things that turned out uh, was, was just went wrong. It, 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 it was Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong did go wrong. Um, and, you know, once I realized that, I, I realized that, look, we need to go public. So the first thing we did as a team is, you know, to 
to take responsibility. And I believe that responsibility has to come from the top, right? Um, yeah. And that's why I, I went on LinkedIn immediately. I mean, within an hour or two of me learning the issue. But again, time difference. Now, you know, my team members in the U.S. are, are getting ready to go to bed. You know, you know, and, and the guys in, uh, in, in India have not woken up yet. And I try to gather as much information as I could, you know, un- understand, you know, what has happened. And I posted out a quick apology, you know, that was really meaningful, right, mm. um, on LinkedIn. Um, making sure that everyone understands we take responsibility. Now, obviously, you know, there were a lot of comments. They're saying, that, oh, you know, it's taken so much of time, but there's nothing much we could do. But, you know, we are a global organization. Our executives are all across the world, within our office in London, our office in Albuquerque, our office in Tampa, India, Malaysia, Singapore. Uh, so it, it does take time uh, to get there. So there was criticism around the time that it took, but obviously you've addressed that, Jay. Um, but the other criticism that um, some gave was that there was a sort of a blame the intern tone um, that was notable in your um, apology. Do you believe that to be fair and justified? No, I think that's very unfair. And and I'll tell you why, right? Okay. The, the question that the community should ask itself is very simple. Was this intentional? Is this the tone that EC Council took as a standard across the world, you know, all the time? And the answer is no, it's not. This was definitely done by a human being. This is not, this is not systemic behavior, systemic policy that, you know, every week EC Council comes up with something. That would have been a very fair criticism. This was clearly an act of a human or multiple humans. Human beings Mm -hmm. make mistakes. Sometimes human beings don't follow rules the way they are meant to be. And again, Eleanor, I I, I wanted to point out what's really diverse about Easy Council is we have 10 offices around the world. We have people with different languages, different cultures, different different backgrounds, right? And, And this was our learning process. Now, you could be in EC Council for a year, you could be in EC Council for six months, you can be in EC Council for, for 10 years. Am I going to be able to bring you on board to my company and empty every single bias, every single belief that you have in your system and replace it with mine? And chances are, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. But where I think we, we could have done better and what we are really working hard to do now, where I think we fell short of us, I think we did not go far enough in instituting an EC Council culture. And sometimes when you keep that silent, then other beliefs, other systems will find its way to permeate through and occupy the space. Am I making sense with what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting that you've mentioned the culture, actually. And, and you said that this was not a systemic behaviour, but many have sort of jumped on the culture of EC Council, and which has consequently dredged up other controversial actions in the past. Do you believe that there sure. is a culture issue? And, and if so, Jay, and this kind of moves into the next section where I want to talk about forward steps, but what can you do about that? Yeah. So, so two points, right? First of all, do, you know, do I take responsibility that our culture should be improved? The answer is absolutely yes. Do I say that we have no issues whatsoever? No, absolutely not. If we did not have any issues with, you know, what has happened, the incident will never transpire, right? So we have to take ownership of what has happened. And I think the area that we lack as an organization, and, and, and to those of them that are listening, you know, if your organization is, you know, uh, an organization like ours, something the CEO should think about is that are we 
you know, as, as, as a leadership, are we dictating the tone to these issues or are we allowing the, the issue to dictate the behavior of the organization, right? So what, what this incident allowed us as a company uh, to appreciate, to understand, to go deeper is in how we should set the tone. And that's why you saw that after my apology, you would see that you know, there was a seven hour day or, 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 or so, a, a week's loud period where there wasn't any communication. And I had friends calling me up and say, Jay, you, know, you should go out there and, and quickly put up a statement. And I said, guys, you know, if, if I, you know, in EC Council, if you want to do something, we either do it right or we don't do it at all. And the easiest thing to do would have been to go and put up a website and say, here's our diversity statement and, you know, just please everybody and let this issue blow over. But that's okay. not the stand we took. We said, no, we need to understand the issue. We need to talk to the people. So I spoke to Alyssa, you know, uh, amazing, amazing professional. She, 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 she really spent an hour with me to explain her point of view. I really started understanding this. I, I started talking to other professionals as well, looking at some of their experiences, their, you know, their challenges that they faced. And then we started diving in deeper. And what we found out, Eleanor, is the fact that the bigger issue for many organizations like ours was not conscious bias. But in absence of us setting a tone, the risk of having unconscious bias, right? In fact, there was a piece of research that I read which actually said that our human brain actually can process 40 pieces of information per second, but we process 11 million pieces unconsciously. Think of the power of that, right? Like, was there a conscious bias that let's, as a company, let's go ahead and let's be gender biased to a specific gender? Absolutely not, right? In fact, this entire survey was part of women in cybersecurity, and EC Council is famous for our work for women in cybersecurity, right? That's uh, the irony, that, You know, right? Exactly, right? But it was the unconscious the potential existence of unconscious bias that was really the issue. And as we started diving deeper, we realized, wow, there's something called unconscious bias. We didn't even know that, right? Because we're so busy with our day-to-day -day work, everyone's moving along, getting their job done. But as a company, you know, we needed to take responsibility in making sure we set the tone. And this is why we, send up, uh, we set up a Di, you know, a, a, a diversity and, and, and inclusion committee, uh, you know, uh, Amber Pradonsali, you know, who's been with us for a long time, is an amazing professional. She chaired uh, the session. We wanted to make sure there's board representation. So my better half, Lata Bavisi, you know, was a member of the board. We brought in uh, Melanie from our London office, and we brought in our head of HR and operations, right, to make sure that everything we do will actually permeate through the entire organization. And in my letter, which is public, you know, we, we've outlined our short-term initiatives, our mid-term initiatives, and our long-term initiatives, right? But what, was, what I think was different with the way we dealt with this and is, is the fact that we just did not want to go in there and talk about broad statements, you know? Uh, we commit to, uh, to having diversity across organizations. Yeah, sure. What does that really mean? How do I measure you? How, how, how does the community really know that EC Council is a brand that can be trusted, that for 20 years, what we have poured into the community is something that is worthy of the trust that the community has placed in us. And this is why we decided as a team that we're going to go out and make our report public. Because we want to hold ourselves you know, to a higher standard. And 
and while Alyssa was the one who suggested this to me, I think that the larger realization for the company was the fact that, you know, we started this out with women in cybersecurity, so our hearts are in the right place, right? There was a mishap, right, by a human being. So I don't think that it was, it was systemic within the Council. It was an error. We did not do well as a company. And what we uncovered out of this was that there were, you know, we did not as a company go out and state out our culture and ensure that our value system, our culture, our beliefs permeate through every single individual that exists in AC Council. And everyone that joins our team understands these are our value systems and these are our ethos that we live by, which we were going to change. But think about the power that we as an organization have. If we were able to take this and push this forward to the 145 countries that we operate in. Think about our distributor network, our partner network, our instructor network. We're talking about more than 2,000 partners in 145 countries. And while these issues might be very, uh, 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 shall I say, open in the West and appreciated in the West, there are many cultures across the world where you know, gender equality is not on the top of their agenda. But we can, we can help make this as part of the agenda that this community should be talking about, right? So we saw ourselves as a major agent of change, that we can actually help organizations understand the importance of diversity, the importance of non-bias, the importance of, of having belonging and inclusion in organizations. And hence, we decided that, all right, the best way to do it is form the committee, come up with a public report, and come up with programs, right? that not just EC Council members or, 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 or EC Council teammates are going to be subjected to, but eventually in the long term, expand this out to our partner network, expand this out to our instructor network, expand this out to our, our distributor network, and basically help the world become a better place and help there be more diversity and more support and make human beings understand one another. And that's kind of the journey that we took, Eleanor. And I really do sort of praise and applaud that commitment to transparency, Jen. I think that's a really important piece of this puzzle. That letter was published, that open letter was published by yourself on April the 23rd. Where can people find that letter? So if you go to EC Council's uh, website, which is ecouncil.org forward slash diversity, on the diversity page, you will see all of our core values. And the final block will actually say letter from our CEO. And that open letter is, is there for anyone to see. And in fact, that's exactly the place where we're going to be publishing our reports as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're free to uh, read that on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, LinkedIn has uh, limitations to the number of characters that you can have. So I could not make a post. I had to write an article on LinkedIn. So either you look me up, JBVC, you know, post on LinkedIn, you'll find it there. Or if not, even better is we welcome you to visit ecouncil.org forward slash diversity and you'll be able to see my letter and, you know, and, and, and all of the other things that I've talked about right there. Fantastic. And one of the things, um, one of your commitments in that letter was to further grow diversity within teams at all levels of EC Council. Does this include the mm -hmm. board? And have you put any sort of yes. target numbers around that board level diversity? So, yes, that's a very good question. And, I, and, and, uh, and that's something that we have actually been talking about. Uh, you know, right now, EC Council has a 50% women participation on the board because there are only two board members, uh, you know, uh, me being one and there's another member at the, at the group level. 
Um, right. If you look at diversity in senior management, which I think is what you were you were really uh, uh, alluding to, yes, is that within within EC Council actually we have a lot of women leaders that are holding very powerful positions. It doesn't appear on our website um, because we are a group of diverse organizations within the council, right? Uh, uh, we have a university. The president of the university is Lata, you know, uh, uh, she's a woman. The dean of the university is a woman. Uh, the board representation of the university, you know, we have got very senior women uh, leadership at the EC Council uh, uh, board levels as well. If you look at our at our finance and audit department, our head of audit is also a woman. Our certification head for a very long time, you know, was a, was an amazing lady, you know, who's unfortunately no longer with us. So across the senior leadership, uh, you know, we have a tremendous amount of women participation. Question is this. Can we do better at the executive committee level? And the answer is yes, we absolutely can, because uh, uh, thank God we are all not white males. You know, uh, we have a lot of diversity even at the at the at the senior leadership, right? Uh, we are we are globally represented. We have different nationalities, we have different religions, we have different languages, we have different backgrounds. You know, not not all of us are from the Ivy League. In fact, apart from one, <laughs> no one else is from you know from a from an Ivy League. So we don't have any form of bias in that that area. But I think right. gender diversity is an area that we should really work uh, for. Now, one of the LinkedIn uh, messages I got was, you know, you should fire your entire executive committee, you know, and, and reconstitute a new team. But that's, that's easier said than done. And that itself is a bias, right? <laughs> We're trying yes. to avoid bias at, at all levels. You can't fire, you know, individuals that have, that, that have given their, their, their blood and sweat to the mission and the vision of the of the of, of EC Council done so much good just because you're right. trying to have another form of, of a of a of an unbiased action by having uh, you know women participation. And that's why you saw in, in our long term ob- objective, one of the items we talked about is how do we do this better? Now the good news is we're already thinking as a company uh, to expand our board. So I think the, the the better thing for us to do would be to reconstitute our board and to have better, you know, better representation, uh, you know, uh, at, at the board level. And over time, as we are hiring more, more senior management, obviously now the unconscious bias that I talked about before, you know, it, it's already you know, very clear in front of us. So we are, we are actually going out, looking out, uh, how can we do better in bringing in, you know, a different diverse uh, cultures and different diverse people onto our senior leadership. And one of them would be uh, having women participation. Okay, fantastic. Uh, lastly, Jay, um, it, it could be argued that you're not really in a position to ask favours of the industry at the moment. However, this is your opportunity to appeal to our listeners, members of the InfoSec community and EC Council members. What do you ask of them now in the wake of this? And how would you like to move forward with them as an industry together? Well, first of all, I think the, the community has to recognize the fact that we've been around for 20 years. We have done tremendous amount of good for the organization. And look, we are a community. What does community mean? It means we stand by one another. Is the community perfect? And, uh, and of course, us being part of the community, no, we're not, right? Uh, EC Council is not perfect. I'm not perfect, you know, and, and I don't think anyone is. And the thing that I think we as a community should think about is that when someone falters, when someone makes an error, what do we do? Do we unleash hell and provide negative comments to them on Twitter? Do we 
stalk them? Do we hound them? Or do we provide constructive criticism and encourage them to do better? And, and this is why I would like to single out Alyssa, right? She went against the grain of norm, right? Because to speak to me, I mean, for heaven's sake, for that moment, as I, as, as I provided the apology, I was evil, <laughs> right? I was the center of the entire controversy. And, <laughs> and why do you want to talk to this evil guy who has just caused all the storm? But, but you know, I, I, I must say, I, I applaud her. She came with an open mind, you know, probably very suspicious. And, and, and I think rightfully so, she should be. Um, but she, she listened to me. She allowed me to listen to her. We had a very constructive exchange of ideas. And she realized that I was genuine, that I really wanted to do something better. And she guided me. I, and, and, and of course, I spoke to many others, you know, uh, a lot of email exchanges they went through as well, uh, you know. And at the end of the day, the results are in front of you. So judge us not, to, you know, to, to, to answer your question as a community, judge not the member for the one mistake they did, judge them for the lifelong contribution that they've done to the community. And I think that's only fair, right? And part of the contribution the EC Council has is watch us, you know, take this issue and, 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 and watch us rally around different groups in making sure that we actually become part of the solution like what we've already done. In fact, if you look at my short-term commitments that EC Council has done, one of that was to come up with the, you know, to have a clear development of culture and people page. We've already done that, right? That was part of the delay. We wanted to make sure that we, we thought through this. This was a global uh, uh, discussion where different team members involved. It, it, it wasn't one person just writing it. We wanted to make sure that this, as I said before, this permeates through the entire organization. And we've done that already. And, you know, we formed a committee very quickly. The committee had multiple conversations. And now we are moving down, right? And we want to make sure that we, we, uh, we under-promise over-deliver. And that's really what we're trying to do. So I, I'm not sure if that long answer to your short question uh, makes sense. But I would say that in summary, I would, I would tell the community, judge us for our lifelong contribution to the community and not just after one or two things that, that we may have done, not perfect. No, it, it made complete sense. So, um, Jay, thank you. Um, and for the record, I certainly don't think um, you're evil. <laughs> um, you, you can't go back <laughs> and change uh, what happened, of course, but you can make changes and improvements and evolve to make EC Council a more diverse, inclusive and transparent organisation. And I think your commitment to do that makes me really hopeful. Um, as I said at the beginning, big respect to you for talking to me today um, and, and the transparency is, is hugely appreciated. Um, so thank you for your time and your attention. Eleanor, thank you very much. And, and, and I must say to your listeners, you know, your article about the issue was not kind at all, but never for a second did I tell my team, look at what Eleanor wrote. I mean, she knows me personally. She's met my team. She knows this because I believe that you were doing your job and you did your job very well. And it was thanks to your work, thanks to the work of, you know, of, 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 of IG and Alyssa and the other members of the community that this issue was brought up to my attention and to the attention of senior leadership. And now we're doing something about it. And, and uh, you know, we, we're sure that we will take this and we will run with it. And I'm sure the next year you will have an interview with me saying, Jay, you committed to your quarterly public uh, <laughs> you know, reports and we've seen your reports and go ahead and give me my mark. And I would like to see what my CGPA stands on this issue one year from now. 
Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. And, and and as I've said to you privately, um, obviously I, I did cover what happened um, and it, it could be cons- considered to be, you know, a very sort of cutting piece. But I also commit to reporting on all of the um, the improvements and the steps you're taking to, to make things right. And I, I certainly give you my word that I will be reporting that also. So thank you again, Jay. Thank you, thank you so much, Eleanor. Really nice talking to you. So yeah, it was great that Jay was willing to come on and at least at least discuss this situation with you, and and also that he he seemed to take full responsibility for for the debacle. Um, what would you? I was wondering what you made of his ideas to make sure this sort of thing doesn't ha- ever happen again at the EC Council, Eleanor. I think Alyssa Miller used a perfect term for this actually, which was cautiously optimistic, um, and I probably feel the same. Um, as I sort of mentioned earlier, I do think that there's a, there's some cultural issues at play here. But I think I have a huge amount of respect, actually, for how Jay has handled this situation. Maybe not that initial apology, which, as I mentioned before, I think was flawed. But since then, you know, there has been taken ownership. They are giving it great thought. And I love the transparency um, of which they've chosen to handle this moving forward. The, the quarterly updates um, and actually being holding themselves responsible and doing that in a, in the public domain and yeah so we're going to finish up this podcast with a news update um and james is definitely the best person for that job so over to you with the headlines james thank you very much Anna. um so I'd, I'd just like to start with a really interesting speech that took place on the 23rd of april by jeremy fleming who's the director of gchq um, which is the uk's intelligence and security agency so this was for the annual vincent briscoe lecture for the institute of security science and technology which is held at imperial college london each year and um, this year was obviously given vir- given virtually for, for obvious reasons um, so he touched on a range of issues in his talk, but probably the most headline grabbing aspect was his warning of the threats to cyberspace from so-called outlier nations like Russia and China. And in particular, he warned that liberal democratic nations should be particularly wary of the fact that China is is seeking to really develop and control the technology systems that, that we're all going to, we are and will be becoming increasingly reliant on going forward and he kind of said that if action's not taken this could ultimately pose an existential threat to our way of life as, as, as he put it um, and Fleming added that the the best way to counter this is to, to form an alliance between like-minded liberal countries and kind of ensure that the tech systems that they're, they're using are, are developed in the right way and, and the rules they're governed by are are according to open democratic values um, so I found it very interesting that clearly the government has realised that the technology shifts only going in one direction, um, particularly as we move into the area of of things like smart cities and therefore taking the steps now to ensure that these systems that we use are open and democratic is is essential really. Um, So it'd be interesting to see how this manifests over the coming years. I I guess we've already seen it to some extent by the UK's decision to ban deployment of 5G technology from Chinese firm Huawei over security fears last year. 
Uh, and interestingly, on the, on the 28th of April, so very shortly after, there was an, an announcement that the G7 representatives, so that's the UK, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, the US and EU, had signed a declaration pledging to boost online safety worldwide. So this emphasised that any steps taken to tackle cybercrime must support democratic ideals and respect human rights and fundamental freedoms. Um, so expect to see a lot more activity at governmental level from, from that area. Another interesting story we covered recently was the launch of the first ever US cyber games. So this consists of two events, which are called the US Cyber Open and the US Cyber Combine Invitational. So in the US Cyber Open, applicants from across the US will compete in a two-week capture the flag type competition. Um, participants will be scored in multiple cybersecurity areas as they complete a series of virtual cybersecurity challenges. Um, and then the US Cyber Combine Invitational will see 60 cyber athlete players invited to take place in a variety of virtual learning programs and games over an eight-week period. And during this time, the athletes will be interviewed by multiple coach, coaches and put through their paces in a series of aptitude tests before finally performing in an advanced uh, capture the flag qualifier round. And then coming from these events, the 20 best cybersecurity athletes will be selected to form the inaugural US cyber team at the International Cybersecurity Challenge, which is taking place in Athens in Greece in, in December this year. Um, so this has come from the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education Programme at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And they've teamed up with marketing and cybersecurity games company Catsky to, 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 to launch these events. So I found this particularly interesting because we're seeing a real push for these kind of cybersecurity and events and challenges recently. And amid the fun and the competition, that they have they have a very serious point really, which is to namely to inspire more people to pursue careers in the cybersecurity sector and close that the the skills gap that that we hear mentioned so many times. Um, there's been a few examples in recent years, like particularly the, the annual Cyber First Girls competition in the UK. And there was a hacker games launched by app security testing firm Vericode in March. So we obviously it, it's something that we, we're looking at here at Info Security and something we hope ultimately makes a real difference in, in attracting talent to the sector, um, particularly those from underrepresented communities. And the Cyber First Girls competition actually comes up in our new Q2 issue, doesn't it, James? And um, with our interview with um, GCHQ former director, Robert Hannigan. Yes, that's right. Yeah. When he was in his role at GCHQ, he, he um, the Cyber First Girls competition was was launched. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, a very pertinent timing, really. Um, and he, he talks in the interview about addressing the skills gap in general so uh de definitely look out for that when when it when it goes when it gets published when well, here's hoping we can get out to athens in december that sounds good hey yeah yeah it might make a it might make a, a bit of a change for the weather for that for that time of year for us so <laughs> absolutely yeah, that'd be nice um so, so next I'd, I'd like to go into space uh, not literally of course but um in the news that we covered recently that the United States is to launch a dedicated joint cyber center to promote integration between US Space Command and US Cyber Command. So this is basically in response to fears the US have that nations like Iran, Russia, China, North Korea are potentially looking to damage US space capabilities um, 
via cyber attacks, for example, um, their satellites. Um, so this new cyber center is really part of efforts to keep space activity secure from, from cyber attacks. I know people may be thinking, what, why is this important? Why is this relevant? But we're obviously uh, becoming more increasingly reliant on, on activities in space. Uh, and this is likely to increase over the coming years. And I think experts expect that um, a lot of commercial businesses, for example, will, will be having big interests in, in space over the coming years. So I think the issue of securing cyber cyberspace in space is definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. And uh, and just the final story I want to talk about relates to, to the issue of ransomware, which sadly is becoming ever more prevalent and sophisticated. Um, so we covered a, a new report from security vendor Coveware, which showed that the average payment to ransomware groups is up 43% over the over the last quarter, um, and that's been particularly driven by by the Klopp gang. Um, this is obviously a very worrying development and feeds into the whole ransomware payment debate and um, whether it's ever right for businesses to pay pay a ransom in, in these situations. Um, interestingly, this is a topic that's going to be debated in the, in the next issue of the of the Info Security Print magazine. So, so definitely keep a lookout for that. Um, but whatever the merits of the individual cases, we we know that paying ransom only exacerbates the the issue as it as it encourages these groups to continue using these tactics. And obviously, the payments they do received help fund their their criminal activities and and some potentially even terrorism. Um, so so kind of the developments we've seen in this area in recent years, such as multi extortion, um, it, it's really an issue that the industry needs to come together to, to address as, as soon as possible. Absolutely. Well, thank you, James. Um, what an episode. Uh, all that's left <laughs> me to do is to thank our sponsor, Dot Inc. Uh, Dot Inc means business, protect your digital presence and reduce the risk of cybercrime by securing the domain that is an exact match to your brand name. Secure your Dot Inc domain today at get.inc slash info dash security. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Be sure to check out the rest of our Into Security and Into Security Chats podcasts. Uh, next week on Chats, we have Claudiana Tanson, Dr. Claudiana Tanson, um, who is the new chief at UK Cyber Council. Um, until next time, stay safe, everyone. I've been Eleanor. And I've been James. Thanks for listening to Into Security. For in-depth interviews with the industry's finest minds, check out our sister podcast, Into Security Chats. Join us again next month. Until then, stay safe and keep up to date with everything you need to know about information security via the infosecurity-magazine.com website.